Welcome to the Potter's House North podcast. We hope you'll be blessed by today's message. Just for a title, I want you to put down what I, what I am going to call this message, which is seeing your way through it. Seeing your way through it. I recently, I, I, I kind of began thinking about this message because I recently, it came up for me to go for my annual uh, eye exam at the eye doctor. And so when I went in there, um, of course, he says, you know, you need, I think you need a new prescription. He said, I'm not going to do a, uh, it's not going to, it did, really didn't change a lot. He said, one eye kind of got better, one eye got worse. Uh, he said, but but it's, it's a little change. And I'll leave it up to you if you want to um, just get a new uh, pair of glasses. And so I decided, at first I thought, well, maybe I don't need it. Uh, but then I thought, well, no, I'm going to go ahead. If it's changing, then I want to go ahead and get a new set of glass, pair of glasses. And so uh, I ordered my glasses. When they came back, uh, it took me a little bit of time. But when they came back, um, I, you know, because it takes time when you have to get all these bifocals, trifocals, and all that kind of stuff, you know. Uh, but when they came back, I, I, I won't forget it because I picked, I, I got them up out of the case and I put them on my eyes. And when I put them on my eyes, I immediately could see things a whole lot clearer. Now, uh, it was, it was so clear and so, so large that, that it, it kind of was a little shocking to me to believe that such a small adjustment in my prescription could make everything about my vision look bigger and brighter and bolder and and actually so much better uh, and and I was grateful that I went ahead and got the new uh, lens put in my glasses because uh, it, it made such a huge difference in my vision now Jesus always had a lot to say or a lot to think about uh, vision as a matter of fact uh, opening the eyes of those who were blind was one of the biggest uh, miracles that it was one of the most common miracles, if you can call a miracle common. It was one of the most common miracles that Jesus himself ever performed. Um, in the Bible, when they talk about blindness, it is often uh, blindness is a metaphor of, uh, of having a closed mind. And people who have closed minds, they're not always um, open to new ideas and they're not always open to new ways of thinking or new adventures, which causes them to be stuck in a place of darkness. Uh, and, and they didn't have to be there, but because they lack vision, that's where they are. They're stuck in a place of darkness. Matthew 6, 22 and 23 says that your eyes are a window for your soul. And when they are good, uh, you have all the light that you need. But when your eyes are bad, everything is dark. And if the light inside of you is dark, you surely are in the dark. Jesus is saying to us right there uh, that if you don't, 
uh, if you don't really see things clearly and if you don't really see things correctly and if you don't see things truthfully, you may think that you are living in the light and you may think that your vision is good, but in all reality, it is not. And you, and the reason it is not is because you are living in darkness. And uh, one of the results of living in the darkness is that you miss out on many of the things that God has planned for your life. And the reason that you miss out on them is because you cannot see them. And in many cases, we've all heard the, the, the phrase, uh, what you see is what you get. And in many cases, that is absolutely the truth. Nobody, however, knew this any better in scripture uh, than two men by the name of Joshua and Caleb. Uh, just to give you a little bit of history in, in, in their backstory, God had used a man by the name of Moses, and Moses brought the, the children of Israel, the people of God, he brought them uh, up out of slavery. And in the, the book of Numbers, God promises to these people who were uh, slaves, he promises that he will bring them into a homeland uh, of their own. He promises that that he will bring them into what is called the promised land. Now, the promised land uh, represented their future. It represented their inheritance, the inheritance that uh, God wanted them to have. And uh, after coming through the wilderness and after crossing over the Red Sea, they came to the edge of the promised land. They came to the edge, the verge of what God had promised them that they could have. And once they got there, Moses uh, chose 12 representatives uh, from among the people. And he chose one uh, representative out of each of the 12 tribes. And he sent them, he, he, he got them ready, and he sent them on a fact-finding mission uh, over into the promised land so that they could tell him and the rest of the people uh, what it was like on the other side. So Moses says to them, go into the new land uh, as a representative, and I want you to find out everything that you can find out. I want you to see everything that you can see, and I want you to experience everything that you can experience, and then I want you to come back, and I want you to tell the rest of us just what it was like. So in Numbers 13, verse 17 uh, through 20, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, Moses gave the men these instructions as he sent them out to explore the new land. Go northward, uh, uh, go through Negev uh, into the hill country and see, if you have your Bible and you see that word see in your Bible, I want you to underline that. Moses says, go into the hill country and see. So now they have not just been been commanded to go, but they have also been commanded to see. He says, I want you to see what the land is like. And he says, and I want you to find out whether the people that are living there are strong or if they are weak, if there are few or if there are many. I, I want you to find out what kind of land do they live in? Is it good or is it bad? Do their towns have walls or are they unprotected? How is the soil? Is it fertile or is it poor? Are there many trees? Enter 
the land boldly and bring back samples of the crops that you see. So underline that word right there, uh, see. He says, go in there, check it all out, and bring back some samples. Don't just come out empty-handed. Make sure that you bring some samples. Uh, bring back the samples of the crops that you see. Most, and the reason that Moses did that was because Moses understood that a picture paints a thousand words. And he understood that, that if, if the rest of the crowd was going to, uh, uh, to possess the promise that was given to them, that it would that if he could position them to see it, that it might be a little bit easier for them. Uh, and, and so he sends them off, he sends the 12 representative, uh, representatives of the tribe uh, off and he sends them on this journey. Now the journey is going to be long. It is going to be filled with trouble and trauma. It's going to have hurdles. It's going to have uh, uh, hindrances. However, uh, there's something good to me, and it's probably, it was probably good for them to know, uh, that when you set a goal, uh, that, 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 that's major. To me, I, I like to set a goal because if I can set a goal, here's what I know. I know that I have the grace to keep going when I get exhausted on the journey. If I know that there is a goal, if I know that there is an ending point, if I know that this too shall come to an end, it gives me the resolve to run on and see what that end will be. And so the Bible, if, if you think about that, Jesus himself, the Bible says that it was for the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross and he despised the shame. I said it was for the joy that was set before him. Yes, he was on the cross. Yes, he was dying. Uh, yes, he was, he was carrying the weight of the world. Uh, but the thing that enabled him to stay on the cross and finish well was because because he was able to set his sight on a goal, uh, which was the joy that was set before him. The goal helps me to know that there's purpose in the press. I don't like to press if I don't understand that there's purpose in it. And the press, uh, it helps me to know that the press is not going to last forever. If there is a day to go in, then there is a day to come out. And that, that helps me to know that. So Numbers 13 and 21 uh, says this. So they spied out, they spied out, you can underline that, they spied out the land all the way from the wilderness up to Hebron. There they saw, circle that, they saw the, uh, the Ammonites and the Shishites and the Talamites and, the, uh, uh, and, and all the families uh, uh, that had descended from Anak. So we got all of these ites. Uh, we, thank God we don't have the parasites and we don't have the termites and, and all of that stuff right there. Uh, but he said, you, you will see all of the, they saw all of the families that descended from Anak. Now, if you don't know your Bible, you don't understand uh, what it means when it says Anak. But, but, but let me go on and read it and I'll tell you. When they came to Eshcol, they cut down a cluster of grapes and it was so large that it took two of them to carry it back and they had to put it on a pole in order to carry it back. 
So here's what we're looking at. God had taken 12 men, one out of every tribe, and he has now made these 12 men the first fruits. He is, he's called a people out of a people because God always calls a people out of a people. And these people that he had called out of the people are now the first partakers of his divine plan because God always reaches into the pack. I don't care. He reach, I don't care what kind of pack it is. God will always reach into a pack and he will pull out those from the pack who are progressive thinkers and he will send them, uh, those who are progressive thinkers beyond those who are passive thinkers. And he does that for the purpose of showing them what he is going to do next. And while it is, it is a, an honor to be pulled out of the pack, to be a progressive thinker, to be a person that God chooses, let me, let me be honest with you and tell you that it, it, it is, it is good to be chosen. It is good to be progressive, but it can also be a, a very lonely place to be in because you can find yourself feeling isolated. You can find yourself feeling lonely. Why? Because you now have been exposed to and you have seen things that possibly the people that you are joined to or possibly the people that you are connected to or even people that you love have not seen. And so that creates somewhat of a gap between you and those that are important to you. And, it, and, and at times, it can leave you feeling lonely. Lonely because the people that you live with, the people that you walk with, the people that you talk with, those that you do life with, even sometimes those that you worship the Lord with, you, you, can, find, you, you can start beginning to feel like they don't even know who you really are. And the reason that they no longer know who you really are is because they have not seen what you have seen. They have not heard what you have heard. And, and, and when you hear that, that doesn't make you arrogant. It, it doesn't make you haughty or high-minded. But what it really does is it makes you humble because you know that the only reason that God ever chose you as a forerunner or as a first fruit to begin with was because he, he knew that he could trust you not to end intimidate others, but rather to cultivate others who are not quite where you are. And God had Moses pick out those 12 men, send them over. It was a select group of men. He sent them over ahead of time to get a vision of what was ultimately something that God wanted to bring all of the people into. Now, when they get to the land, their arrival time and uh, it, uh, coincided with harvest time uh, because, you know, God's timing. He always does things well. And he sent them over there uh, at, a, at, at the, the time uh, of the season where the ingathering of the grapes was taking place. So now we've got grapes that are everywhere. Grapes galore. Big grapes, little grapes, you just name it. Grapes are everywhere because 
of the time uh, that because of the timing that God had when he sent them over there. So uh, when they get there and they see all of these grapes, to them, it is a huge blessing. Why? Because they have been in a wilderness. They have been in a fruitless place. They have been in a dry place. They had not seen fresh fruit for a long, long time. And though they weren't actually at that moment there to possess the land and to possess the grapes, they felt to some degree that they were coming into a certain level of blessings. No, they weren't going to stay, but this made them feel like, whoo, things really are about to change in our lives. If you were here today, I would tell you to touch your neighbor and tell them, hey, this is only the beginning. This is only the beginning. What we are sensing and what we are feeling. And if you, if you, if you are a person that worships and loves God and has your ear to the heart of God, there is something in you. Yes, you recognize we've been through some hard times, but yet at the same time, our spirit man is beginning to feel like something is about to break open. Something is about to move. Something is about to turn. God has not allowed us to go through what we've gone through for absolutely nothing. So my spirit, yes, my spirit is on high alert. And God, why? They were on high alert. They weren't exactly possessing the land. The deed wasn't going to be turned over the, to them today. But the fact that they were in that atmosphere made them feel like, wow, listen, this is about to be ours. And they don't even know this is about to be ours. And it was only the beginning. God used that moment to give them a glimpse, to give them a glimpse of what he wanted to bring them into. Have you ever had God to give you a glimpse of something? I mean, just, just you're just there and all of a sudden, you know, you didn't think it up. And you know, uh, all you know is that, my God, you just showed me that. You just made that clear to me. And in the midst of all of the excitement, in the midst of all of the fruitfulness, those men said, well, let's cut this down because we got to take something back home for the rest of the people to see. And, and, and because what was happening is they were experiencing a little taste of what they were about to possess. And they wanted to take that little taste back so that the rest of the people could experience it for themselves. I believe that they wanted to do that because they would, it would help them to know that if they would continue to press toward the prize, that, that this is what the goodness of the Lord that was in front of them. So these 12 spies, they were bringing back to the children of Israel a sample of something that was coming from the other side. Now, you might say, what do you mean, Pastor Brady? The other side of what? The other side of what they had been through. The other side of the wilderness. The other side of the weariness. The other side of the battle, of the struggle. The other side of the pandemic. The other side of the layoff. The other side of, of the eviction notice. The other side of, 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 the, of the company closing down. The other side.
side of the pain, the other side of the pressure that we have lived under, the other side of the sickness, the other side of the loss, the other side of the virus. He, they were bringing back something that suggested that there was life on the other side of this. You know, I can't thank God enough for the moments that he has come into my life, that he's come into my room, into my car, no matter where I was, there were moments, un unthinkable uh, uh, moments that God would just blow in with his spirit. And all of a sudden you could, you could, you could see a way, you could, you could hear a way, you would know that this too was going to pass. You would know that this sickness was not a sickness unto death, but God was going to bring you out onto the other side. I thank him for being that kind of God that will give you just a witness. You'll be driving down the road worried and concerned about this one or that one and God will out of seemingly nowhere say it's all right. I got it. Don't worry. Anybody ever had God just blow in to your house, to your life, into your situation and settle the issue. The issue that had been raging. The issue that you've been tormented by. All of a sudden, one minute you're worried. The next minute you're like, I'm just going to worship because I know that God has got this. When he woke me up on that morning, I believe it was a Tuesday morning uh, in March, and I walked into the to my bathroom and looked into the mirror, and I, I heard God talk to me out of his word of, uh, about his peace and that if we would trust him, that he would keep us and we would not be moved and we would not be shaken. I am grateful for that kind of God. Sometimes he'll give you a word ahead of time. Sometimes he'll give you a word right in the middle of it. And sometimes it's like he waits till the very last second. But he will be faithful because he is a speaking God. And sometimes it's just a little taste of tomorrow that will give you the grace to make it through the rest of today. And once in a while, God will open the windows of heaven and he will do just that. He'll give you a taste. He'll give you a what old folks used to call a foretaste, a, a blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. This is my story. I don't know about your story, but this is my, I've had a visitation from God and this is my story. But don't get it twisted and don't get it confused. All you have been given is just a taste. And if you want all all of what God has for you, it is going to cost you something. Moses sent the 12 to the other side. And he sent them there to test their perception. And though they all saw the same things, they all came to different conclusions. That happened then. That happens now. Perception, the reason that happens like that is because perception is personal. Some people will see the cup half full. Others will see the cup half empty. Some people are born pessimistic. Others are born optimistic. Some people will say, oh, it's a partly sunny day. Other people will say, oh, it's a partly cloudy day. But one thing that we should never, ever, ever do is underestimate the power of our perception, especially if we think for one minute 
that we want to be used by God in a very mighty way. If, 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 if you think that God wants to use you to do anything great, uh, you have to understand the power of perception because sometimes uh, it, 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 when God uses you um, in a great way, you can't think just like everybody else. You can't, you, you, you can't get in their mind frame. Sometimes you're, you have to look at what is something that everybody else would call less, but when you look at it, you have to see more. You, everybody else sees less, but when you look at it, you understand that little is much when God is in it. So while you look at less and call it not enough, I can look at it and call it more than enough. You know, you sometimes if God's going to use you in a great way, you'll find yourself looking at something little and calling it big. I know it looks little, but I also know how big God. Sometimes you have to look at stuff and you have to look at situations and where everybody around you says there's no way. There's absolutely no way. They you have to open your mouth and declare oh there may not be a way for you and there really may not be a way for me but I know God he is the way he is the truth and he is the life so you have to be open to say God I want you to use me but I also want to yield my perception to you I want to use faith when I need to use faith I want to see through the eyes of faith and not the eyes of lack I want to see through the eyes of faith and not the eyes of fear and so these 12 men had went to the promised land and, and, and they gathered up their grapes and, and they, and, and here's the deal, they might have, I don't know why they thought they were going, but the truth of the matter is Moses just wanted to know how they could see. So they were sent to a place uh, of provision. There was provision there, but the, in, in the middle of the provision, they found themselves confronting problems. Because problems and provision go hand in hand. I said problems and provision go hand in hand. The provision was very obvious. Grapes were everywhere. Fruit was everywhere. The land was flowing with milk and honey. But the problems were very obvious too. And here was the problems. We read about it. Uh, the Bible told us that the sons of Anak were living in the same land that the provision was flowing. Now, you have to know Anak. Anak were, uh, the people of Anak, the Anakins, they were uh, descendants of Goliath. They were anywhere between 9 feet and 12 feet tall. Now, that's, that's quite large. Uh, and they were in the place, they, they had the problem, because they were in the place where the, the milk and honey was flowing. And, and so while, yes, they had fresh fruit and yes uh, they had the land was full of provision and yes it was harvest season it also looked like uh, Goliath had called all of his kinfolk in and said come on over we're about to have a family reunion so while fruit is abounding on one hand they also had these huge men they had these giants that are walking around covered in brass they are covered in weaponry and they're not just covered they are looking for a Fight, okay, they are looking for a fight. They've got so so now the twelve have got on one hand milk and honey, but they also got trouble on the other. They have got gigantic grapes on one side, but they've got trouble on the other. They've got 
provision on one side, but they got trouble on the other. And personally, I think I have come to believe that that is just how life is. There are times that life is going to make you laugh. And there are times that life will make you cry. Doesn't mean I'm less saved because I'm crying. Doesn't mean that God is less powerful because I am crying. It's just life and it's how it works. Life will make you laugh one minute and cry the next. It'll make you happy one minute and sad the next. It will make you smile one minute and frown the next. That's why I'm scared of everybody who walks around acting like, oh, praise the Lord. Everything is wonderful. It's awesome. I'm, You know, you scare me because you're not living in the real world. And I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of people not living in the real world. And that's a scary situation to be in. There are just times that you are going to wake up and feel like you've got the devil by the throat and then there are going to be days that you're going to wake up and feel like he's got you by the throat. But in those moments, you have to realize it's not about what I feel. It is about what I know. I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded that no matter what I am facing, that he is able. See, you got to have that in your gut. You can't just be sitting around waiting for everything to fall into place so that you can jump out and launch your business or launch your ministry or, or, or just jump out and be greatly used by God. You can't wait for everything to be perfect before you decide to tithe, before you decide to sow a seed. You can't just sit around and wait for it to happen. You can't wait for the all clear. You, you just, you, it would be nice if we could wait for the coast to be clear, but you can't do that. Sometimes you got to step out by faith and say, you know what? This is a good day and tomorrow might be a bad day, but I'm still going to step out on the promise of God. Listen, life's giants, they are not just going to go away. Life's giants are not just going to surrender. Just because you have been faithful to be in the house of the Lord, faithful to bring your gifts to God, faithful to sing, faithful to your wife, faithful to your husband, that does not mean that the things that you have done, the works that you have done is going to cause your giants to just lay down and die. It's not going to happen like that. They're not going to surrender. They're not going to give up. They're not going to give in. And guess what? Many times they will not get out of your way. But 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 in, in case you haven't noticed, life is going to cost us something. And you will either overcome in life or else life will overcome you. I said you'll either overcome in life or life will overcome you and people who overcome in life are people who refuse to get to the verge of the breakthrough and then allow life to overcome them. I don't know about anybody today but I refuse to give up what I have been pressing for and reaching for and stretching for and praying for and believing for all of my life just because a pandemic hit us. I refuse to do it. I refuse to just lay down and die and say, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on, but I know who does know what's going on and I trust him and I know he's the one that started the work in me. I refuse especially when I think about all the times I got up 
again. All the times that I pushed my tears back. All the times that I said, I'm coming over this hurdle. I'm getting up out of this craziness. When I start thinking about all the things that I overcome. When I start thinking about the times I planted. The times I sowed. The times I tilled the ground. I refuse to get to this point and be sidetracked because I have a harvest that is still online. Oh, pandemic, come what day, from, uh, from uh, come what may, from day to day, I still sowed and I still gotta reap. I still sowed and I still gotta reap. And the only way I can reap is if I refuse to faint. I've made up my mind. I am not going to faint. I felt like fainting. I cried about fainting. I prayed about fainting. I thought about backing up, but I made up in my mind. I am not going to faint because the only thing that can disqualify me for obtaining what I have sown for, for the only thing that can disqualify me from reaping my harvest is if I faint. So I made up my mind. I'm not going to faint. I'm going to fight my way through it. I'm going to fight my way through it. And I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Listen to me today. I know life has handed you some hard things. It's handed me some hard things. I know that the last year has handed us some terrible things to have to work our way through. I know that people have disappointed you. I know that people have come into and out of your life. I know that people have walked into and turn around and walked out of. I know that, yeah, we've had some good times. But I also know, I'm, I'm, I'm human enough to know that we've had some bad times as well. But I'm going to tell you what I've learned. I learned, and sometimes you forget what you learn, and you got to hear somebody repeat it, and it all comes back to your remembrance. But I've learned that in spite of the good times or the bad times, if I can praise him at all times, then he will help me, and he will strengthen me. Because the Bible said that he gives power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. I don't know who that's for today, but grab hold of that thing. I said, if you have no might, and if you feel like fainting, you've got to give praise to God. Because if you'll give him the glory in spite of it all, he will give you strength. And you got to want the prize bad enough to give him the praise. I said, you got to want the prize bad enough to say, I'm going to stay in the fight. And you've got to be determined. I refuse to allow anybody or anything or any sickness or any disease or any layoff or any trouble to bully me out of my praise. 
I refuse to be intimidated by obstacles and by hurdles and by barriers and by setbacks and by giants. Oh, you'll never get your grapes. You will never get your promise. You'll never get your entitlement. You'll never get those things that God has for you. You'll never grab hold of your inheritance. You will never get that endowment that God wants you to have if you just lay down and die. If you're going to get it, you've got to start seeing your future. Not through the eyes of fear. Not through the eyes of weariness. But you got to see your future through the eyes of faith. Hit somebody in your living room and tell them you better look through the eyes of faith. You got to do it. Because when you become more obsessed with the giants and the weaponry and the intimidating factors that keep jumping up in your face, when you become more obsessed with that, then that is a sign that you are looking through the eyes of fear into your future and you are not looking through the eyes of faith. One of the first things you've got to know is that when you sense fear, somebody says, Pastor, I wish you to preach this back in March. Well, I'm preaching it today, okay? When you begin to sense fear, it is a sign what that, that fear that you are sensing. You, you've got to immediately know that what you're sensing did not come from God. I said what you're sensing did not come from God. Because the Bible said that God has not given us the spirit of fear. We will never be effective in the kingdom of God or in our kingdom assignment as long as we are allowing fear to be part of the equation. Because you've heard me say it a million times, fear is paralyzing, it's intimidating. Fear is incapacitating, fear is disabling. And God didn't give that fear to us. And here's what I want to say about it. If God didn't give me fear, then what in the world am I doing taking it? Because it, it didn't come from him. I don't have to accept it. What he did say that he would give us was power and he would give us love and he would give us a sound mind. What is a sound mind? A sound mind means I have a disciplined way of thinking. I have a disciplined way of thinking. A sound mind says I don't care how bad that it gets. I refuse to surrender to giants. I refuse to be shaken by intimidating giants. I refuse to forfeit my harvest because of a giant that has jumped up in my face. I refuse to have a nervous breakdown. I refuse to lose my mind. I have decided that I am going to look at my future, not through the eyes of fear, but I'm going to look through the eyes of faith. I refuse to start acting like right now. I've come through all of this and now I'm going to get here and act like I ain't got a God. Are you kidding me? I have a God. I 
refuse to get here and totally flip out and start thinking that I'm the master of my destiny. Absolutely not. I didn't start this thing called my life and I will not be the one that finishes it. He who began a good work in me will be faithful. Lord have mercy. I said he will be faithful to complete it. If he's alpha, he's omega. If he's the beginning, he's the end. If he's the first, he is the last. He has given me a sound mind and I got to tell somebody, I am not in what I'm in and you are not in what you are in by yourself. The Holy Ghost is in you. I said the Holy Ghost is in you. He is in me. So therefore, wherever I am and whatever I am in, he is in me. So he is in it with me. He's counseling me. He's stabilizing me. He's securing me. He's acclimating me to go through stuff that should have killed me from lockdowns to layoffs, from layoffs to losses, from losses to loneliness, from social distance to face masks. Whatever you have been through, through political uproars, through racial injustice, you got to know that God is with you. He is in you and he is helping you. He's helping me to take things that I shouldn't have been able to take, to endure things I feel like preaching today. He's helped me to endure things I shouldn't have been able to endure. He's helped me to build up and carry things I didn't think I could carry. He's helped me to make it out of things I never thought that I would get out of. How? By giving me a sound mind. Listen, let me tell you, church, sometimes life will hand you stuff that you don't understand. Life will hand us stuff that we can't even comprehend. Life will hand us stuff that is too painful for us to even process and it'll happen all of a sudden at times and when that happens to you and when you feel overwhelmed at that moment I may not be there the praise team may not be there but God is there in the middle of that moment when they tell you there's no hope in the middle of that moment when you are grieving yourself to death in the middle of that moment when you don't know where your next meal is coming from I want to tell you pray in the Holy Ghost I said pray in the Holy Ghost don't pray with your mind pray with the mind of the Spirit because your mind don't even know how to think your mind can't deal with it your mind can't handle it your mind can't believe it so every now and then you gotta slip out of your mind and slip over into God's mind and pray in the spirit because he that prayeth in the in the unknown tongue speaketh to God sometimes you gotta pray 
in a language that you yourself don't understand. And then you gotta know, I don't know what I'm saying, but God knows, he knows exactly what I'm saying. And in return, he will stabilize your mind by giving you peace that passes all of your understanding. Finally, God will just say, never mind. Get your mind out of the way. Let me just give you peace. Have you ever had God to give you a peace out of nowhere, in the middle of chaos, in the middle of crazy, in the middle of not knowing what to do? All of a sudden, when you should have broke down, when you should have gave up, when you should have thrown in the towel, he gives you this peace that enables you to stand up. And this peace is not a man-made peace. This is a peace from God. It is not an artificial peace. It is a peace that comes from God. It is a peace that the world can't give. And guess what? If they didn't give it, they can't take it away. It is a peace that makes you upgrade your prescription to look at life's difficulties through the eyes of faith and not the eyes of fear. Woo. I'm preaching on this Super Bowl Sunday. Yes, I am. SB. LV, I told him when I came in, see that pretty SBLV? You know what that means? Cheryl Brady live. I am live today to let every devil in hell know I'm changing my lens. I'm through looking in fear and I'm gonna look through faith. I said I'm looking through faith. I dare you to try it. I dare you to prove and see God and see if he will not open the windows of heaven on your behalf. He will. He will. You got to see it. You've got to see it. Let me tell you this. I know I'm not going to finish this, so let me just wrap this up. When you look at the future with the eyes of fear, we'll give you three, three things that happen. I'll just come back maybe next week if they invite me back. <laughs> and maybe I'll give you the, the rest of them, but I want to give you these three and then I'm going to let you go. When you look into your future through the eyes of fear, let me tell you what happens. The first thing that happens is the negative in your life gets overstated or overinflated. If you want to say that, it gets overinflated or overstated. Because the Bible said when the 12 men returned back to give Moses the report of their journey, they said in Numbers 27, so we arrived in the land that you sent us to see. <laughs> and it is indeed a magnificent country. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is some of the fruit as proof. But the people living there, they are powerful. And their cities and their towns are fortified. And they are very large. And we also saw the Anakins 
who are the descendants of Anak. And they were living there too. Do you see how all of the, the good positive stuff got swallowed up in all of the negative stuff that they saw? When you overstate the negative, you are more prone to believe the negative. And because of that, stress will increase in your life. I just gave you a great dose of medicine right there. Don't you miss it. When you overstate the negative, when you give it too big of a platform, when you give it too loud of a microphone, when you give it too much of a place of importance, then it will automatically overtake your victory. And what happens is it thrusts you into the middle of the fight, even worse, and now you are more stressed out. Yes, negative things were happening in the land. Negative things happen in our land. But I'm gonna tell you something. You stay in control. You stay in control. You choose what you believe. You choose what you magnify. You choose what you listen to. You choose which voice you will give your stage to. And remember this, that whatever you magnify, it becomes bigger. If I had a magnifying glass and I put it uh, over this glass of water, I could automatically see things in there that I couldn't see with the naked eye. Why? Because I magnified it. You hear that? You start magnifying things that are negative, you're going to see all kinds of traps. You're going to see all kinds of mess that will have you broke down, stressed out, crying your eyes out. Some of you even left suicidal. But I'm telling you today, I dare you to change your, your train of thought. Start looking and seeing the goodness of God. Quit magnifying, even in your conversation, as you're talking, be careful not to overstate the negative. Don't give it room in your house. Tell your kids, listen, I want you to just shut that down. Doesn't mean it's not real, because it's real. But what we're going to talk about is the goodness of God. Don't give it, don't give it verbiage. Don't give it room. If you give it an inch, it will take a mile. And always remember that wherever the focus goes, the power flows. If your focus goes to negative, that's what's going to get bigger. That's what's going to have more power. If your focus goes to the positive, then that's what's going to get bigger. And that's what's going to have more power. So by the time these 12 men got back to Moses with the report of their findings, many of them, had all but forgot the fruit. They had all but forgot the flowing of milk. Milk and honey and blessings. They forgot all of that stuff. And their report revealed that they saw the promised land. 
more as a place of defeat, as a place of impossibility, as a place of many obstacles, as a place of many giants, giant dilemmas, giant trouble, giant, giant setbacks, giant situations. They saw it as a place that was too high for them to hurdle. They saw it as a place of resistance and opposition and anxiety and fear. And oh yeah, there's nice fruit there, but what we would have to push our way through to obtain what is ours would be too much for us. And even though God has given some of you a promised land, and even though he's given you a promise in your heart, and even though he's given you a vision, and even though he's given you a destiny and a purpose, to hear you talk, you sound more like one of the spies that didn't think it could happen because you're looking at it through the eyes of fear. Well, it would be nice, Pastor Brady, but I really can't afford it. I don't have nobody to support it. I'm not even educated enough to have that. I'm not qualified. I've already got too much debt. Nobody in my family has ever even modeled on being an entrepreneur for me. I don't know how that happens. I'm a single mother. I wish I could, but I'm a single mother. I'm a single father. The devil is a liar. When you hear those voices, tell the devil you are a liar. He told me that I was too shy to speak to people. He told me that I was too shy to open my mouth and declare. He told me that I was too uneducated to ever be a leader he told me that I would never make it that I needed to just be content to be a closet worshiper because I was never good enough to open my mouth and sing in front of anybody but God let me tell you something let me tell you I told you what he told me now let me tell you what I told him I told him you are a liar you're the author of lies you're the father of lies and the truth is not in you and anything that you tell me has got to be a lie because you can't speak nothing but lies. So take that devil. I will be everything God made me to be. I will be a leader. I will speak to the nations. I will reach out to the hurting. I will overcome my shyness to obey the will of God for my life. You wish, you just wish I would have thrown in the towel. Oh, but guess what? It didn't happen because you're a liar tell every devil in hell you're a liar and I'm changing my lens today straighten myself up and if nobody celebrates me I will celebrate me and who can celebrate you better than you yourself because nobody knows the depths of what you have been through yourself like you do. Straighten your shoulders. Wipe every tear. Denounce every fear. And having done all to stand, stand. While you're standing, tell every devil in hell, yeah, I see you. Yeah, I see your weapons, but guess what? No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. Yeah, I see you. I see how big and bad that you think that you are. 
But ain't, no, ain't nobody bigger or badder than my daddy. Do you even know who my daddy is? Yeah, let me tell you about my daddy. He went, to he went to the cross, he bled and he died and he defeated you. Yes, you are a defeated foe. You lying voice from hell. You are a defeated foe. You are defeated and you're perpetrating as if you got some kind of great power. Devil, you are a liar. Now it's one thing for me to say that to your situation, but you gotta open your mouth and you gotta say it yourself. Did Jesus go to the cross? Yes. Did he die for our sin? Yes. Did he defeat every sickness? Yes. Oh, every price that could be paid was paid. And that God is your daddy. You better know who your daddy is. So you tell every voice that tries to stop you. It's too late because I've already seen myself over there. I've already seen myself in a better place. I've already seen myself not worrying about where this month's mortgage payment is coming from. I've already seen myself not living from, borrowing from Peter to pay Paul. I've already seen myself coming out more than a conqueror. And I would have fainted. I would have, but guess what? I didn't. I've been through enough to make me faint. But the God in me is more than enough to handle everything I've been through. I would have fainted, but I believe to see the goodness of the Lord. Not when I get to heaven, but right here in the earth. I want to see my kids prosper. I want to see people I love make it. I want to see people that felt like they couldn't do what God has assigned them to do to step up in it. Even if you're shaking, you got to step up in it. You got to stand there and declare it. Well, I don't know what I'm going to say. Well, trust him. You do your part and trust him to do his part. But somebody's waiting to hear the sound of your voice. Can't you see it? Don't let me see more for you than you see for yourself. You have survived 2020. And you've survived the first month of 2021 and you are into the second month. My God, do you understand? You survived for a reason. So if you'll shut down all of that crazy rhetoric that's going on in your head, you will shut down the stress. If you shut down the stress, you'll live longer. Look through the eyes of faith and not the eyes of fear. Stop overstating that which is negative. Second thing that you'll do, looking through the eyes of fear into the future, you get consumed with what other people are doing. All of a sudden, other people takes up all of your time. Now you can't study and you can't pray because you're on social media seeing what everybody else is saying. Hello? Lord, help us, Jesus. This is what they said in verse 29, and I'm done. The, the Amalekites, the Amalekites live in Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, they all live in the hill country. And the Canaanites, they live near the sea. And they live along the Jordan River. These people, 
They are not focusing on the beauty of the land. Do you hear me? They are not focusing on the beauty of the land. All they are focusing on is how many people are already living in their promised land. And what they're saying is that the, everybody lives there. There's not room for me. There's not room for us. How can that be my promised land? All the good land is taken. All the, all the good things are gone. All the best property has been bought. All the great husbands have all been taken. All the great wives have been taken. All of the scholarships have already been taken. Because we panic. They were noticing everybody else. You know why they did that? Because they had a scarcity mentality. I said they had a scarcity mentality. How dare us have a scarcity mentality when God has been so good to us. Scarcity mentality will stress you out. It'll stress you out. Don't look through the eyes of fear. Look through the eyes of faith. The third thing, and I'm done. The third thing that, that we do when we look through the eyes of fear is we begin underestimating the strength and the abilities that God has given to us. We start comparing ourselves to other people instead of appreciating what God has given us. Let me tell you something. Every last one of you that want to compare me to somebody else, it's too late, okay? It ain't going to work. I don't compare myself to nobody except Jesus. So don't come in my life right now trying to say, well, if you would do and if, if, if Stop, stop. What that means, that means... I can't lead you anymore because you ain't looking at me and you ain't part of what God is saying to me. If that's you and you are like, I just, well, I just think, bye. Bye. And thank you for tuning in to Cheryl Brady Live. I have to stand before God one day and answer. And I don't want the blood to be on my hands. What happens and what happened to them is that they begin totally comparing themselves to others. They said in Numbers 13 and 31, but the men who had gone up with Caleb said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. They said the land, the land that we've been, the, the land devours those who are living in it. And all the, all the people we saw there, they are of great size. They, they're giants there. And we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. In our, oh, they saw, here we go. They saw themselves as grasshoppers. And because they saw themselves as grasshoppers, everybody around them saw them as grasshoppers too. You better quit looking at yourself as if you are a grasshopper when the King of kings and the Lord of lords is living inside of you. People will never perceive you correctly if you don't perceive yourself correctly. Because here's what happens. Because they saw themselves as insignificant, they hid what little significance they had. And you never grow what you have by hiding it.
you grow what you have by giving it away. And sometimes it's easier to sit there and judge other people on the way they do things because you ain't doing nothing. Let me see what little bit you got. And if you'll give it away with clean hands and pure hearts, God will blow into your life and he'll enable you to see everything you could not see. If you'll ask him, he will show you what you need to see. These men failed the perception test. Because listen, it really wasn't even about the giants. It was about how they saw the giants. Thank you for joining us today. We'd love to have you join us online every Sunday morning at 9 and 11.30 a.m. Central Standard Time. Streaming live at www.tphnd.org watchnow or through our Potter's House North app.